Transfer season is not slowing down, this time with a pair of Hoosiers entering the portal. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Thank you to FanDuel for being our sponsor today. The official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. This whole week has been about transfer news. That didn't change uh, for or on Thursday for this Friday episode. The only thing different is that it was some Hoosiers entering the portal versus Indiana being in contact with people. Logan Duncan was the first uh, Indiana Hoosier to enter the portal. Not a shock. If I had to guess, that was probably the most likely one to go into the portal. And, I mean, this might be a little bit of hindsight being 2020, but if you look at who IU has been targeting in the portal, Graham E.K., Chris Ledlam, uh, Biggs, basically. Uh, Duncombe's days were numbered. Like I said, the writing was on the wall. feel a little bit bad for him because if you rewind back to November, October, whenever media day was, there was a lot of buzz about him. Trace and Race were both really complimentary about just his development, his progression, what he had done in the offseason to really help challenge them in practice but it seemingly as always was the case with his career injuries just could kept him off the floor his best showing was in indiana's game against elon when trace was out he had 10 points and five rebounds so 10 points five rebounds a couple of assists a block look i think if all things were equal you could guarantee health, things like that, and you took kind of the human element out of this, he'd be a perfectly serviceable backup big man next year. I'd feel great having him as a backup big man, but it's one of those situations where um, injuries have really derailed things for him. I don't blame him for wanting a, a bit of a change of scenery. I wish him the best. I wish him health. I wish him success at whatever his next stop is. I'll be interested to see where he lands. I think he has talent. I think he could land at a a mid-major, maybe even higher than that, and be a serviceable big man. I I think if he wants to start, it's probably more at a mid-major, but if he's just looking to play a role on a team, he could go to a, a bigger school, I think, and have that type of impact on a team. So hats off to him. Wish him the best of luck. It never really worked out at Indiana, but I don't know. It it never really felt like it was his fault. It was always just some sort of injury that, that kept him out. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a medical redshirt for one of his last two seasons. He only played he's only played 18 games total and nine of those in each season. It adds a little bit more clarity to IU scholarships. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you can look at the chart. We spruced it up a little bit. 
Isaac Shade, our fearless leader over at Locked On College Basketball, sent me his uh, kind of formatting and whatnot to give us a little better of an idea of what the future looks like. But you can see the Hoosiers have two open scholarship spots now. Could go to three, depending on Jalen hood Shafino. It's not much depending there. When Jalen hood Shafino announces he's going to the NBA, it'll go to three. There is uh, more question about Xavier Johnson. I have included him in this. If I had to guess, I would say he'll probably get that medical hardship waiver, but it's not certain right now. So right now there are two open roster spots, potentially a third one, potentially even a fourth one, but, but two, almost certainly three will be open. Nathan Childress also entered the transfer portal. He spent four years in Indiana as a walk-on. He's going to go somewhere to try to get some minutes. It doesn't change much for Indiana, but just a, a, a thing to note. He, I think the only game I specifically remember him playing in is last season, well, or maybe two seasons ago, the Northwestern game where you had like seven bodies. He He played in that one. Outside of that, it was only garbage time minutes for him, but hopefully he lands somewhere that he can be a contributor in his final season as well. There was a little bit of news in terms of players IU is targeting. So IU ended up scheduling visits for Chris Ledlam and Nick Timberlake. We talked about it on yesterday's episode. It The reports indicated that on Thursday is when he was visiting with, with both him being Mike Woodson. When IU was visiting with both, it was actually going to happen on Sunday. Mike Woodson is going to visit both of these gentlemen on Sunday. Chris Ludlum, Nick Timberlake. That's about, it comes from about as, it, Rab John's peaks. Like it, it comes from as good of a source as you're going to get. Uh, so... This weekend, Mike Woodson will meet with both of them. Also of note, sounds like Jamison Battle is someone that is emerging as a target as well. And if we pull up that roster again, it's interesting to note there are not big men on this roster. There aren't even really wings on this roster. Jordan Geronimo is a big man, assuming he comes back. Caleb Banks is. Malik Renew is. Everybody else on that roster is a guard or maybe a wing. So going after Ledlam, going after Battle, two guys that are more forwards, uh, that makes a ton of sense. Going after Timberlake, we talked a lot about. We'll see if that's the only players that enter the transfer portal. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if there are more names, but that's a lot of guards on the roster right now. And not a ton of minutes to split among them. We'll see if other players follow suit and enter that portal and if the Hoosiers can replace them with someone uh, maybe makes the roster make a little more sense you don't need nine ten guards on the roster and only a couple of big men you roster needs to be balanced a little bit more so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens a little bit this coming week weeks I guess as a transfer portal is open so stuff to keep an eye on there but it sounds like things are on hold until we get through this weekend, maybe a little bit further than that, but Ledlam, Timberlake, Jamison Battle, all three guys seem like the top priorities for Indiana. We'll talk about that here in a, a, a bit 
what that might indicate for Indiana's future. First, though, I said we were going to talk about it today. Let's talk about whether this was an IU a successful season for the IU men's team because it's a an interesting question that I think there is not a certain answer to. We'll do that here in a moment. First, let's talk about FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book. It's because right now FanDuel is giving customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you guys are checking out Locked On College Basketball. They had you covered heading into this weekend. Even if you miss that, there's still time. You missed a couple games. Man, Kansas State, Michigan State was a an all-time classic. And Noel is, that was an all-time performance. Uh, it must be something about playing in Madison Square Garden. But those guys are going to have that recap. Certainly going to be talking about Kansas State on today's episode. And then listen to the bracket preview to to get a sense of what the rest of the weekend is going to hold. Let's talk about success for IU this season because it's a, I think it's an interesting question. The Hoosiers, if you talk about what the preseason expectations were, then you can pretty definitively say this was not a successful season for Indiana. Rewind back to October, September, when we were talking about the Hoosiers, the Big Ten Conference, and it seemed like Indiana was the best team. Best of a, they were the most certain thing we knew about. I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. We knew what IU was going to be, or at least we thought. We didn't know what a lot of other teams were going to be, so almost in some senses by default, Indiana was picked. Now, I, I would also say, we never really saw Indiana at what we thought they were going to be. Xavier Johnson, Jalen Hood, Shafino, Miller Cop, Race Thompson, and Trace Jackson Davis, they simply just did not play together this season. So we never really saw what the Hoosiers could be. They played a little bit. A little bit might be harsh. They did play together. They just didn't really play any meaningful minutes together. And the numbers would bear that out. They, I, th- I believe the UNC game is really the only game that, um, of note that they spent together. If you look at Evan Mia, which is what we, uh, have used throughout the season, but it does have lineup data. The lineup of Jalen Hood, Shafino, Xavier Johnson, Miller Cop, Race Thompson, and Trace Jackson Davis played together 125 offensive and defensive possessions. For comparison, the most used five-man lineup played 442 uh, possessions. So four times as often. And a lineup of 
Galloway, Hood, Shafino, Geronimo, Trace, and Miller Cop almost played as many minutes as what we thought our starting five was going to be. That starting five was good. Offensively, defensively, they were just good. The problem was, as we said, they didn't play anybody. If you look at the average opponent that they played, it was the, uh, looks like one of the easiest, uh, just opponents, level of opponent, basically. So, uh, that there's a, a kind of a rating system that tells you what the average rating is of the opponent lineup you're playing. So that I use starting lineup played an average opponent rating of 2.68, which is one of the, the higher marks comparatively what we thought the starting five was going to be played against lineups of 0.82. So that was early in the season when they weren't playing anybody, whether it was Bethune Cookman, Miami of Ohio, excuse me, Little Rock, Jackson State. I don't even know how many of these games they actually, that group actually played together. UNC ended up being the only game that they played together and UNC didn't even end up being that good. So, It's just going to be, I think, in some degrees, a what if. But if you look at what preseason expectations were, IU did not live up to them. They were expected to be Big Ten champions. They were expected to be a contender for a a number one seed, a a deep run in the tournament, and they didn't do any of those. Now, if you base the expectations on where this team was on January 14th, or 11th, excuse me, that was the Penn State game. After the Penn State game, if you... Look at where this team had fallen, what the adversity they had to go through with injuries. Then, yeah, this season was a success. It's kind of a, a sliding barometer, sliding scale here. From December 3rd through January 11th, the Rutgers game on the road through that Penn State game, IU was a mess. They were 3-6. and six. They weren't healthy. They were falling apart. Xavier Johnson had been hurt. Jalen hood wasn't 100%. Trace Jackson Davis wasn't 100%. Race Thompson had been hurt. And it felt like a team that was falling apart. And I think, I mean, I was looking back recently and the, the thumbnail, the picture for that episode against Penn State was rock bottom. And it ended up being rock bottom. If you'd have told everyone on that day that IU would be a four seed in the a tournament and be battling at the top of the Big Ten, let alone telling them they would sweep Purdue. I don't know that anybody would have believed you in that moment. So I'm trying to think if the consensus of this is that it was a successful season. The way I liked hearing it summed up is from our good friend Jared Gasul, who we'll probably try to bring on here in the coming weeks, maybe to to talk about Trace and his career at Bloomington, but I asked him if he thought this was a successful season, and his wording was, it was a successful journey with a failed destination, which I really like that. The journey ultimately was a rocky one. It was an up-and-down one, but I think it ended up being a successful one. IU looked like one of the best teams in the Big Ten. They might have been. The Big Ten fell flat on its face in the NCAA tournament, and we'll talk about that next week. There's a lot of things that the Big Ten needs to do, but uh, they look like one of the best teams in the Big Ten by the end of the season, which 
that's no small feat considering how bad they looked at uh, at one point in the year. But ultimately, they don't even make the Sweet 16. Now, how much should we base um, our determination of success on the NCAA tournament in a one-off tournament? Uh, it's going to come across as sour grapes, but I don't know that you can base a lot on it. How many times has the NCAA tournament truly crowned the best team as a champion? I would have to go back and look, and that's entirely subjective, but it's not often, I would say, that the best team in the country ends up as the champion. So it's not a foolproof way of measuring success. And so just because Indiana did not make the Sweet 16, I don't know that it necessarily means it wasn't a successful season. What I do think this this all kind of means, looking at the season, looking at the postseason, whether the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, looking at the last four years, IU failed Trey Jackson Davis, that part I'm certain of, and that's particularly noteworthy this year because this was his last year that man did everything he could to try to will indiana to wins and he is certainly at no fault for how indiana finished this season it feels like a bummer to say that that we wasted trace jackson davis and we failed him but that was a generational once in a lifetime maybe it might be a bit far, but a generational talent that walks away really with nothing. Some of that you can put on Archie. Some of that you can put on various situations, people, things like that. But it's just a, a really, I don't know what the answer is going to be for this team. I'll be interested to see how we look back on this team in five years, ten years. It was a season that we're going to remember because you sweep Purdue and Trey Shacks and Davis was incredible all year long. But do we look back on it fondly? Some of that might depend on what Mike Woodson does moving forward. But it's a it was a weird season. Certainly, I don't know. Ultimately, if I had to make a determination whether it was successful or not, I would say it was maybe just barely. Those two Purdue wins were high points seeing trace play the way he did was incredible iu did everything it could i'm always going to remember how this iu team rallied around itself for the really that five game winning streak wisconsin illinois michigan state minnesota ohio state the way they turned the season around in that stretch was really impressive so i'll always remember that it's just a question of how much you want to remember everything else that happened this year. What I will say now is there's a very big challenge for IU to get more modern moving forward. This was a successful season, but IU can't keep playing the way that it's been playing. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. First, let's talk about Built Bar. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com 
to vote for your favorites. I can pull up the bracket while I am uh, discussing the fact that Built uh, is letting you guys go vote on what your favorite puff or bar is right now. You can go to BuiltMarchMadness.com, scroll down, you can see the bracket, whether it's banana cream puff, whether it's or cookie dough chunk, whether it's churro, whether it's cookies and cream, my favorite, whether it's brownie batter, coconut brownie, whatever it is, you guys can head over there now and vote. If you just, you can look at the bracket and then scroll down and you pick whichever one's your favorite. You vote. And the reason you want to vote is because 50 lucky luck locked on listeners will get a free box of built and one luck locked on fan will receive a 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try built. They're the best protein bar ever. I promise there's no catch. They taste absolutely amazing. So run to builtmarchmadness.com right now. Vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there. You can look at the bracket. That'll give you a sense maybe of uh, flavors that people enjoy. And you can try those out. Vote every day in March so you can hop in and support your pick. Let's talk about the need for IU to get more modern. I want to bring up the scholarships again while we discuss this because this is something I don't blame IU for how they played this past season. That's how they had to play. I, I'm a very big proponent of getting your five best players on the basketball court and figuring it out. And by the end of the season and for most of the season of the guys they had healthy they had the five best players on the basketball court. But for IU this year, that meant that you were playing a double post offense, basically. you were Race Thompson was moving out to the three-point line more, but he wasn't good there, typically, unless they were playing Kent State and he was randomly Miller Cop from the three-point line. That type of offense, as much as you may want it to work, as much as old-school fans... Uh, may prefer that type of offense. It doesn't work in modern basketball. And I use an example of that. There was a pretty hard ceiling on this team. I don't think anybody really saw them as a legitimate contender. I don't think anybody was particularly surprised that they lost and how they lost, especially considering the matchup. Because anytime you come up against a modern style of offense, IU struggled. Penn State was kind of the extreme version of a modern offense, but Miami wasn't that extreme of a modern offense. One big man, four guards or four players on the perimeter surrounding him, and you go to work. You you beat guys off the dribble around the perimeter. You have a big that can be an energy guy, and you see the result. Uh, Omir wasn't the best big man in that game, but he certainly made an impact. Modern basketball is built around spacing and scoring on the perimeter. I I wouldn't describe IU as having either of those things last year. They did not have spacing. They were playing race and trace for most of the season, and there is no spacing there. They didn't score from the perimeter. Miller Cop was the only three-point shooter, and he was a hesitant one at that at times. Jalen hood Shafino scored from the mid-range, which doesn't really do a lot to space the floor out. So there, it wasn't a very modern-looking offense for IU. 
the what IU needs to work on now is making their offense look more modern. What I would say is that their transfer targets sure are indicating a more modern approach to team building and how they might play moving forward. I don't know that you can take away too much of what type of play style Archie wants to have or Archie. Whew, I'm sorry, Mike Woodson, what Mike Woodson wants to have because he was using a lot of Archie's players. I think we've kind of looked at who he's been recruiting, the type of players he's recruiting. I think he likes guys with size that can do a lot of things. Caleb Banks, CJ Gunn, you can look at guys he's recruiting in the upcoming class. Liam McNeely is that type of guy, things like that. And that makes sense. Even a Malik Renew is someone that as a big man has a versatile skill set showed an ability to step out and knock down a three versatility, I think is what he wants. And if you look at how IU is or who IU is targeting in the portal, I think positional versatility is what he's looking at. You have someone like a, a Ledlam who could play as a three, I think would be better as a four. Maybe you have someone like a Jamison battle who's a three, maybe could play higher up, maybe could play uh, bigger. If you roll out a roster next season of Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, Battle, Ledlam, and Malik Renew, that just, I'm spitballing, maybe you say you get Nick Timberlake instead. And it's Xavier Johnson, Nick Timberlake, Battle, Ledlam, Renew. That is a f- far more modern-looking offense That's four guys that can play on the perimeter and a big man that would have space to work. And I think that would make a lot more sense in the modern game. That's a lot of assumptions, but I'm just giving you ideas. What I know isn't going to be the case is IU isn't going to play a double post offense because they're just literally not going to have the ability to. If you look at the roster, the only center right now is Malik Renew. They're going after Graham E.K., Perhaps he comes in. If he does, that means one of EK and Renew is not starting. And even if they are, they're not playing together a lot because those are your two centers. So IU isn't going to play that way moving forward, at least not this upcoming season. Ledlam and Battle aren't those types of back-to-the-basket guys either. They're guys that can play out on the perimeter, get to the rim, Knock down some threes, depending on how much you believe in recent results from them. They're not the greatest shooters, but they can knock down threes. I think I would trust both of them over Race Thompson shooting threes. I think they're more comfortable doing that, and defenses uh, respect that more than they do Race Thompson. How many Race Thompson threes were him standing there, looking around for a pass, realizing he's open and just shooting? That wouldn't happen with guys like Ledlam or Battle or a new name that might pop up, whoever it might be, they're going to respect those guys and close out on them more, which is more space for a swing pass to Xavier Johnson and he can attack the rim, or a swing pass and a swing pass to Galloway in the corner and he can drive baseline and hand it off to Malik Renew, or just simply dump it into Malik Renew and now he has the entire lane to make whatever move he wants to make and score. That's what this is going to open up. IU needs to get more modern. 
the early indications are that's going to be the case. Who they're targeting, the types of players, you can get an idea of what the roster might look like a little bit. But they're going to have to bring another number of guys in. They're probably going to have three open roster spots. They're not going to get Timberlake, Ledlam, and Battle. You're not going to go three for three on the transfer portal. But those guys, those players are targeting as kind of their number one priorities. I think say a lot about what direction I use offense is going to go in moving forward. And I think it'll be a lot more appealing, a lot more modern, and not prone to as big a matchup mismatches, basically, as it was against a Penn State. Now, Penn State won't be as big of a deal because Shrewsbury is going to Notre Dame, but that type of situation again. You're not going to go into a matchup and think, damn, they have three really good guards. IU is screwed because IU is going to have the ability to match up there. So we'll we'll kind of make note of that, maybe talk about it once the transfer portal wraps up and we have a better idea of what IU's roster looks like. But certainly something to keep in the back of your mind as you as you read or listen to new targets for the Hoosiers. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. It's been a record-breaking week. Uh, again, I'm sorry it had to come in the morning, but we'll keep up with the transfer news if you guys keep tuning in. So we'll be back next week, maybe get some recaps on how the visits went for Ledlam and Timberlake, and talk a little bit about the women's basketball team and how the abruptness with which that ended. We can talk about whether that was a successful season for them as well. For your second listen, Check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, it's available wherever you guys get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter if you have not already. Subscribe. Leave a quick rating and review. That all helps us out immensely. Most importantly, though, guys, everyone have a tremendous weekend. And as always, Elio.